for us on the cross. These are always very special services as we come together. Jesus um, came so that we might know forgiveness of sins, our debt paid. And the cost that he bore for our sin was great on that cross. Great cost that he bore for us. 1 John 4 verse 10 says these words. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so we've come to worship Jesus, our Savior, this morning. Will you stand with me? And we're going to worship and give him praise and honor him this morning for all that he has done for us. Let's worship him together.
bow with me in prayer? In fact, just in an attitude of prayer now, why don't you just thank Jesus in your own heart for his sacrifice for you, that the debt has been paid, sins forgiven, taken away as far as the east is from the west, have been washed white as snow. Just praise him and thank him in your heart for all that he has done for us, for the cross of Calvary. Oh, Lord, receive our worship this morning, we pray. We thank you, Lord. Our words are not enough. Our worship, our singing is not enough to thank you for all that you've done for us. That You took our place. You died the death that we deserved. You bore the cost. You bore the cost of our sin, the sin of the whole world you took upon yourself. And so we come this morning worship you, to praise you, to thank you with all of our hearts for all that you've done for us. We worship you as our Saviour and our King. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I want to welcome you to our special Good Friday service today. It's so good to have you sharing with us. My name's Nathan. I'm the senior pastor here at Bridgman, and we just love being able to gather together for these special services. A big welcome to those who are joining us online as well. Many linking in from all around the place. We'll pray that you'll feel right at home with us as well, very much a part of our services here this morning. Every Easter, we take up an appeal to give away to bless people in need in our community, in our world. And as you came in today, there's some envelopes on your chairs online. There'll be some details on the screen as well of this appeal that we are giving away to two really um, amazing causes. The first is blessing the work of True Fellow. They're doing a work among young people who have been involved in the youth justice system. And uh, many of you know Pastor Billy and Luke and G and some of the team there, we've had a very strong connection with and relationship with there. They're doing an amazing work in um, the local youth detention centre here in Brisbane, um, helping young people who are coming out of detention, transitioning back, uh, running programs and camps, Bible studies that um, young people in there are just saying, hey, I want to be a part of this. And they are seeing young lives transformed by the power of God's love and the hope that is found in him. It's amazing what they are doing. And so one of the ways you can give is towards this True Fellow ministry, and that'll help support what they are doing there um, in terms of providing for some of the programs they're running and making sure we're supporting um, Billy and the team who are running that as well. So that's one cause you can give towards. The other one is a global need at the moment, the Turkey and Syria earthquake appeal. Um, as you know, over 50,000 people lost their lives recently with the earthquakes in this region of the world. And uh, around 8 million people have been directly impacted by this, hundreds of thousands of buildings destroyed. And this is a region of the world where already they were facing great hardship. Prior to this, Syria alone had 15 million people already that were struggling because of the war there. And then out of this on top, it's been a very difficult time. So we are partnering with Baptist World Aid who are working with local Christian organizations on the ground, providing emergency care, um, shelter, uh, safe drinking water, food, blankets. Um, they're doing an amazing work there. And so we can support this by giving uh, to this cause as well. Tax deductible giving is available for the Turkey-Syria appeal. Um, for True Fellow, not tax deductible, but we still want to continue to support and bless those involved. And uh, Jesus cares deeply about the suffering in our world. That's part of the message of the cross. God wasn't distant, but he stepped into the brokenness and pain and suffering of our world. He himself suffered. And so we're going to pray and ask God to bless those in need in our community, in our world at this time. And then we're going to continue to give thanks for the cross. Let's bow together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that it's true, Lord, that you're not a distant God, that you see the brokenness and the pain, the suffering of this world. Your heart breaks, Lord. That's why you came to the cross. You stepped in with a plan, Lord, to bring healing and redemption. Thank you that there is a day coming, Lord, where there'll be no more pain, no more suffering when you come again, Lord Jesus. Until that time, Lord, we want to be your hands and your feet. We want to be showing your love to the world. So we pray for the ministry of True Fella, all that the team are doing there. Thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for their heart to bless these young people. We just 
pray a special blessing over them. And then, Lord, for the situation in Turkey and Syria at the moment, be near to those grieving the loss of loved ones, those without homes and shelter at the moment. Thank you for the work of those groups there in the local community. Bless them, we pray. And so, Lord, we thank you for the part that we can play in this to help bring uh, your love and your care to those in need. So continue to lead us now in this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. nine in the morning when they crucified him. Pilate handed Jesus over to the soldiers. He took him and made him carry his own cross up to Golgotha. They divided up his clothes by casting lots and fastened a sign to the cross which read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The people stood watching and the rulers sneered at him. They said, he saves others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. At noon, the sun stopped shining and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. When the soldiers and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. 
before you, giving thanks in our hearts, we declare, Lord, that in you all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, all things have been created through you, Jesus, and for you. We declare that you are before all things, and in you all things hold together. Thank you that you are reconciling the world to yourself. You're reconciling all things by making peace through your blood shed on the cross. We declare that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through you. And so we exalt your holy name. We lift up the name that is above every name. Because as you humbled yourself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, because of your obedience, you have now been exalted to the right hand of the Father. You are our King. We worship. 
worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're now going to come and share in communion together. So I want to invite you to take your little communion packs that you have there with you and you can take those out and get them ready as we come to share. And this is an opportunity for us. It's amazing, actually, gathering around the table like this. It's so special. When we come to faith in Christ, not only are our sins forgiven, are we redeemed, but we're also welcomed into the family of God. And uh, this, is, this is part of our thanks today, is that Jesus has brought down every barrier that divides, that we are now one in him. We all come equally to the foot of the cross. And this is for everyone, for all people to come and to know this truth. This is what it says, in fact, in 1 Peter 2 verse 24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And someone who's experienced this healing work in his own life recently is my good friend Craig here. And Craig is here with his family, with Amanda and his kids, Connor and Kira. And Craig's come just to share a little of his story. So I'd love it if you could welcome Craig as he comes to share this morning. Yeah, it's so good to be. Yeah, so so good to be here this morning, and uh, it's a real privilege to be able to um, share my story, and hope it may help um, some people or families. Uh, my name is Craig. I grew up in a local Baptist church from a young age to the age of thirteen. During this time, my father had passed away from cancer at the age of nine. I felt very disconnected from my mum and my sister and always felt safer on the streets than I did at home. By the age of 14, I started getting into criminal activities such as shoplifting, breaking into homes and white-collar crime, which then led to being in the Supreme Courts for a criminal offence in the late 80s. I was put on probation at that time for three years. In 1992, I found myself at local bowls club at Hendra when they first come to Queensland, the pokies, and I started gambling at the age of 19. I recognised in that time that there was something not right and I reached out to Lifeline and a 12-step fellowship program within a few months of starting to gamble. I told myself I could control this and that I did not need the help and I didn't have a problem. I was soon consumed by gambling 24 hours a day, day in and day out. Every bit of money was gone and it was something I needed in my life to survive. I was a full-blown addict within months of gambling at the age of 19. And this is where my life changed for the next 28 years. Living life as a gambler for 28 years, I was always on the edge. I was working in retail and also lived a second life. To fuel my addiction, I started to break into various places. I was soon involved in drug houses despite not being a drug user as it offered a quick way to make money. Gambling over time took a turn. Not only was I just gambling on the pokies, but I started now gambling on Monday lottery, Tuesday lottery, Wednesday lottery, Powerball Thursday nights, in the casino Thursday nights. Saturday night lottery, cryptocurrency, people may know it as Bitcoin, scratchy tickets at local news agents, raffle tickets at the shopping centres, keno, online pokies, blackjack, horse racing, uh, dog racing, NRL sports betting, AFL sports betting, and betting on sports overseas I had no idea about. In early 2019, I went back to a 12-step fellowship after 28 years of full-time gambling to seek help as I was broken, which I describe as being in a car wreck. After a year or so of being clean from gambling, I knew there was something still missing in my life. I mentioned to my partner Amanda that went through hell and Connor and Kira, my 
son and daughter that went through hell with me as a compulsive gambler, I was going to go back to church. Just after COVID, I found myself at Bridgman Downs Baptist Church where I first met Pastor Nathan. Pastor Nathan sat and listened to me. It was just out the exit doors here. He sat and listened to me just before the service started. And it was like 28 years of just stuff just coming out, just held on. And um, it was a real mess. And at that time, even after a year of being away from gambling, I was still detoxing. I've been coming to church since that time, consistently turning up every Sunday night, desperate to see what other Christians see in church. But I had to sit and listen to the messages. I soon joined Alpha to learn more about God and taking any chance I would get to talk to the pastors. Coming up during the week, talking to Pastor Nathan, Pastor Andrew, and just being connected. I've been through some pretty hard times while being in church. Uh, Mum just passed away recently, a couple of months ago, and it's not been easy. Uh, but the one thing that I haven't done is I haven't given up. You know, I've just kept on turning up and turning up. After a few years of coming to church, on a particular evening, it was in a different location, I met a member from this church. And I said to this member, you just seem so peaceful, what is it? And they replied, God. That was a real light bulb moment for what God could give me. I get emotional about that because um, I've been searching for that for such a long time. It was the spiritual awakening I'd been looking for as I saw God in this person. This person has something I'd been looking for, which was peace. I realized money could not buy this or material items or the biggest wins or jackpots in the casinos or kino. I just realized that it was just there in front of me the whole time and I just couldn't see it. To this day, I wonder if this member really understands what they have shown me. I'll be forever thankful. For me, it took over two years or more to see this, but I just kept turning up. No matter how I felt, no matter what was happening in my world, I knew somewhere I would have to see what others see in church. I had to surrender. I had to make a character change change the way I think, the way I act, the way I speak, which sometimes can still be a little bit hard. What is life like now as a family? We were baptised on December 11th, 2022, and I've just celebrated four years of not gambling on the 28th February, 2023. The journey so far as a Christian, it is not easy. Life does get difficult, but having faith that things will be okay makes things a lot easier. It is faith and trust in God that no matter what happens, He will be there. Today is a day of Christ's victory over death and the promise of eternal life for those who follow Him. I'm so grateful for seeking help and the emptiness I felt inside to discovering faith. Let's thank Craig. And Amanda, these tears, that's holy. We call that holy water. That's holy water, tears of joy. What Jesus has done in this family is truly amazing. That night of the baptism was incredibly special very powerful night. I think you can watch it online somewhere there as well. But so we come to this table, hearts full of thanks for all that Jesus has done for us. And we come and worship him, thank him for his healing power by his wounds. We can know healing. And so on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Take why don't we do that now? Take the bread, take the wafer, and you eat that and give thanks in your heart for all that Jesus has done.
In the same way, after the meal, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Let's take and drink together, giving thanks in our hearts. Jesus, our hearts are overflowing with thanks and praise to you this morning for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you for the way your love transforms lives, Lord. Thank you there is now no condemnation for those who are in you, Jesus. And so we pour out our praise to you this morning. We continue to thank you with all of our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand together. We're going to sing a beautiful song that thanks him for all he's done on Calvary. Let's stand here as we sing, oh, praise the name. Let's not hold back, church, as we worship him this morning. be seated. Well, we're really blessed to have Pastor David coming to share God's Word with us this morning. So I'd love it if you could make him feel really welcome as he comes to bring God's Word. To share with you. Uh, you know, it, on, on a morning like this, and uh, as we reflect on the service, there's this real sense in which, uh, you know, it can seem really full on in a way. It's, it's uh, somewhat can feel morbid as we focus on the death of Christ on Good Friday morning. Uh, but there's something so powerful as we, because this is, this is the, you know, the centrality of the Christian faith, the death and resurrection of Christ. But there's something so powerful about uh, the death of Christ and what it means for humanity. And yes, in some respect, we may look and think, oh, it seems like a, a, a fairly morbid service. Well, I do wanna say as well, whatever you do, come back on Sunday because that's the celebration on Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. But the death of Christ is so significant. And maybe you don't realize the significance of this for your life, but it, it, it is huge. It is huge and it changes everything. 
You see, we've already heard, uh, testified this morning as Craig shared his story of, of how his life has been changed and transformed uh, because of what Christ uh, has done in and through him. And the death of Christ is so significant because it reveals the heart and the character of God. And one of the things that God reveals through the death of Christ is his grace towards humanity. If you don't get anything else of this morning, I want you to hear this so clearly, that what we see through the death of Christ is God, uh, God almost uh, reaching out to humanity out of his grace and out of his mercy. It's extraordinary. You know, I um, was recently just reading something yesterday, but uh, a guy was just sharing in, in what I was reading about how one time he had to fly to another city and he got a hire car and he drove the hire car around that day, but he had to get back to the airport that afternoon. Now he had the hire car for a certain amount of hours and uh, as he was heading back to the airport, he got caught in traffic and it ended up being uh, so chaotic. He got caught up and he was running late and he was naturally pretty flustered by that. And then he knew he had to get the car back by a certain time, otherwise there'd be fees uh, to pay for, for bringing the car back late. Uh, he ends up finally getting to the airport, getting to the, um, uh, the car hire place and he puts the keys down on the counter, he speaks to the lady and he's just frustrated by the whole situation. He's running late, he's, he was flustered. Uh, he puts the keys down and he just says to the lady, he says, all right, so how much do I owe, you know? And she said, oh, she, you know, on the computer there, oh no, uh, you don't know anything, it's all clear. He said, oh, what do you mean? Like I've, I brought the car back late, I know there's uh, extra fees for that. And she says, no, it's all clear. Like th there's, no, uh, there's no need to pay any extra. And he says, oh, what was that? She says, oh, we've got, we've got, a, um, we've got a grace period, uh, you know, within the hour, it's like a grace period. And he said, oh, okay, well, like, what's, what's all that about? Now, she must have assumed he was sort of asking more around, you know, what is grace? And she said, oh, well, she goes, oh, well, I don't know, really. I suppose it's just uh, you don't need to pay for what you're supposed to pay for. And that, that, that's kind of the heart of grace. That's what grace is really about, is grace is uh, receiving uh, receiving grace, it's receiving unmerited favor. It, it's extraordinary. And when we reflect on Easter Friday, the death of Christ and what God has done is, is amazing for humanity, it's amazing for you. Now this may be totally for, uh, unfamiliar with you, it may be all pretty new, but this is extraordinary news, extraordinary news. And as I said, we've already uh, heard uh, that being testified this morning. In, in some respect, when we look at grace, it can kind of seem unfair. There's a quote by John Piper who says, grace is almost unfair. We deserve God's wrath and we get God's love. We deserve punishment and we get forgiveness. We don't get what we deserve. And that's what grace is. It's the grace of God uh, in our lives. You see, uh, littered throughout the Bible, God uh, reveals his character, his grace towards humanity. Uh, Jesus often told parables and in, in quite a couple of uh, parables, he talks about the grace of God. We understand God's character through uh, these stories. He talks about, maybe you'll be familiar with, but the prodigal son. And in the hero of the story, I mean, the father is really the hero, but in this story, we discover here's this younger son. He takes his inheritance early. He wanders off. He squanders all the money and, and, and he goes and lives this lavish lifestyle. And he thinks to himself at, at the end of his ropes, at the end of his, the, the point where he's at the end of himself, he realizes maybe I could just go back and be a servant in my father's house. And here's this older brother who does everything right, who, who doesn't take the inheritance, that stays with his father, that works uh, the land for his father. And yet the youngest son goes back home thinking maybe even just a servant in my dad's house would be uh, okay. And yet what we discover is Jesus reveals the character of God, it's the grace of God. You see the youngest son, that's what he deserved because he did the wrong thing. But Jesus tells his parable, but the father runs to his son, which was unheard of in that day. He runs out to his youngest son who had squandered all and done the wrong thing, he runs to him, hugs him, kisses him, put a, robes around, a robe uh, on him and he shows him grace. And Jesus is saying, this is what your heavenly father is like. You see, some of you come this morning and you know you've fallen short. Some of you come this morning, you know you're not perfect. Some of you come this morning, and you think there's no way this God, if he's good and perfect in heaven, he could truly accept me. But what you discover in this is that Jesus is revealing that his grace is sufficient for you that His grace is sufficient for you, that, that He does love you, that He does have a plan for you. And there's nothing you need to do. That's what's extraordinary. There's nothing you need to do to, do 
to, uh, to earn His grace. It is unmerited favour from your heavenly Father. And this morning, you know, you've got an opportunity to respond to that grace. This morning, you'll have an opportunity to say, God, I know I don't deserve it. God, I know I've fallen short, but I wanna know what your grace is like. I wanna encounter the grace for myself. And when you do that this morning, because you'll have an opportunity, when you do that this morning, He will answer that prayer 100% of the time and you'll get to experience the grace of God in your life. You've gone through some tough things, you've gone through some hardships and God knows it and sees it, sees it but His grace is sufficient for you. And so time and time again, God reveals His grace through stories. Uh, he shares another prodigal about the Good Samaritan and in this story, the Good Samaritan becomes the hero. This person is uh, on the side of the road and uh, sick and unwell and Jesus tells this, this story to this religious leader and uh, He just reveals again the grace of who He is. I'm reminded not only does he tells, uh, tell these stories, but the way in which he lived. Throughout the Bible, littered throughout the Bible, you can read these stories. God, Jesus went about in such a gracious manner towards humanity. It's extraordinary. I'm reminded of the woman who was caught in adultery. Now, the law stated that if she was caught in adultery, that the punishment was a stoning to death, which would be a horrific death. And the religious leaders find this woman, they catch her and here they drag her before Jesus and they say, basically, Jesus, what do you think about this situation? The, the law states that she should be stoned to death. And so they've all got their stones ready to, to, to this woman to, to die. And Jesus, he writes in the sand. We don't know exactly what he wrote in the sand. I'd love to know. And one day I'll, I can't wait to ask, what is it that he wrote in, that, in the sand in that moment? But he, say, he makes this statement. He says, those of you who have not sinned, you can throw the first stone. And you just hear the rocks fall into the ground because they knew that they weren't that good. They knew. And here, I mean, imagine the response of this woman. She must have been overwhelmed, just, just extraordinary. You see, Jesus reveals the grace of God in this moment. And again, the woman at the well, and extraordinary. She's done wrong. She's an outcast. She goes to the well in the middle of the day, the hottest part, because she doesn't want to encounter any other women because she's an outcast in society. She'd been married and divorced on several occasions. And, and, and this was just, just so full on in this day and age. And Jesus meets her in this moment and he begins to share with her the grace of God. He begins to reveal that he He's the Messiah who's come to save humanity. And she encounters him and her life has, is transformed from that moment. You see, this is what he does. This is what can happen. He can change your heart and change your life and restore relationships and bring healing where you desperately need it. it it's unbelievable. And so she runs back into the town and says, you've got to meet this Savior, meet the Messiah. He told me everything about I've ever done. It's extraordinary. And Jesus reveals the grace the grace of God time and time again. And I know I love this about Jesus. We see in the Bible, I was just reflecting on this, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we see in the Bible, you know, the religious leaders seem to make it so hard, so difficult for people to come and have a relationship with God. And maybe you felt like that. Maybe you grew up going to church, but you wandered away and you're here because someone dragged you here. Or maybe you just thought it's Easter time, I should just go to church. And you've always thought, there's no way this God could accept me. And yet what Jesus reveals, this is why he's so amazing. I love him for this. I love him because he makes it so easy for humanity to come to God. It's because of his grace. It's because of his mercy. You know, in our culture today, uh, you know, we hear about God, you know, or, or in our culture today, there's this perception that God loves good people. And that's the perception I had before I became a Christian. Uh, you know, if he's a good God, he'll love good, uh, good people. And I don't think there's anything new about that. As a matter of fact, every religion says that. Every religion says that God loves good people. But this is what's unique about Christianity and sets it apart from religion. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. And Christianity says, not only does God love good people the way that we see it in our world today, oh, that person's fairly good. Not only does he love good people, but the Bible indicates that he loves sinners. And that's grace. That's grace. We don't deserve it, but, but he pours out his grace on our lives. You know, Paul says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what the cross represents. What we deserved is the death because of the wages of sin is death with the punishment of sin is death. That's the consequences of our going our own way, going against God, not living up to a standard of perfection. We can't achieve it, but God out of His mercy, God out of His grace, that His one and only Son died on the cross in our place so that we could be set free, so that we could have life, so that we could, that death would not be the end for us, but there is something more, life evermore. This is really good news. 
extraordinary news. And so that's the gospel, that we fall short of the glory of God. And, and because of that, we can no longer have a relationship with God. But Jesus, out of his mercy, Jesus, out of his grace, he takes upon himself the sin of the world. He dies on a cross and he says, my God, my God, as we've already heard, why have you forsaken me? He breathes that last breath and sin has been dealt with for all time. And all you need to do is extraordinary. This is the grace of God. All you need to do is even this very morning, you could just come, you could pray a prayer in your head and in your heart. And you could say, God, I've never really experienced your grace, but I'd like to know it this morning. I've never experienced what it means to have a relationship with you, but I'd like to know it this morning. You see, maybe you've, you didn't realize that it's as simple as that, and it is. That's why he's so good. That's why he's so amazing. That's why we worship and honor and praise the King of kings and Lord of lords, King Jesus, who laid down his life. It was, a, it was a huge cost for him, and we receive his extraordinary grace. You know, as we reflect upon the cross, I was reminded just recently as I read about that, you know, Jesus was not the only one on the cross that, that day. There were two other criminals on the side of Jesus, and I want to just share these scriptures with you. It says this, that two other men, Jesus had been uh, convicted, and two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with uh, the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And going through a few verses, just to paraphrase, basically all these people wandered past and hurled insults and criticized Jesus saying, you know, you claimed you're the son of God. Surely if you are, you'd be able to come down off the cross. In verse 32, Luke 23, verse 32, oh, sorry, 39, it goes on to say, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. And I love this. This is so powerful as I read this. He says, don't you fear God? In other words, this is a, that you read this in the Bible, this word fear, another word that could be translated there is respect. It's a sense of respect. What's what he's referring to, fearing God. Don't you respect God, you could say. He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, he said, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. And it's powerful because I see myself in this man. He acknowledges who this Jesus is, that he's, he's a sinless person dying on the cross for our sins and then in verse 42 he says this then he said Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom and listen to this you need to hear this this morning because it's so moving it's so impacting the grace of God is extraordinary he cries out to Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom and Jesus answered him truly I tell you today you will be with me in paradise Today you'll be with me in paradise. Now people may look at this criminal and say, you know, does he really deserve God's grace? No, he doesn't deserve it. To be honest, none of us do. None of us deserve the grace of God. And yet Jesus out of his mercy, Jesus out of his grace, he says, hey, regardless of what you've done, my grace is still sufficient for you. And today you'll be with me in paradise. This is extraordinary. Now to give you just, I just wanna say one last thing, or actually, sorry, a few more things, but let me just say this, right? <laughs> let me just say this. The context of this, the context of this scripture is quite uh, extraordinary. Just when Jesus had been pulled before the uh, religious leaders, when Jesus was pulled before the religious leaders, they, they were saying, you know, that to crucify him, to kill him, he's brought before Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate doesn't want to do in this situation. He, he, he looks into it and he finds there's no charge against Jesus. And they say, you know, we want him to be killed. And he says, no, uh, he, he'll be beaten and then released. And he gets beaten. It's, it's extraordinary to the point of unrecognizable. I'm beaten and whipped and it, it's, it's horrific. And, and then basically Pontius Pilate says, no, 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 what I'll do is I'm gonna release somebody to you. And Pontius Pilate thinks this is my out. He has a criminal also in his hands called Barabbas. And in this moment, he says, what do you want? He says to the crowd, what do you want? You want Barabbas, this criminal, this murderer, uh, or do you want Jesus? And they all, the religious leaders, they, they stir up the crowd and say, we want Jesus. We want Jesus to be crucified. He says, why? What has he done? And they don't care. They just say, we want Jesus to be killed and to be crucified in this moment. And Pontius Pilate has no choice, but he releases Barabbas. And here's Barabbas in this moment, a murderer. And uh, it's believed that that day there were three crosses on that hill 
And you know, it's believed that commentators say that those three crosses, one was actually for, meant to be for Barabbas and the other two were actually uh, with Barabbas that they had tried to overturn and, and try to come against the Roman government and that's why they were being crucified and Barabbas had done some other things. It was claimed that he was a murderer as well. But you know, this extraordinary thing takes place. Barabbas should have been on that cross and yet he is set free. I'm reminded when I watch the passion of Christ that moment, Barabbas is cheering and out of his pride thinking, oh, this is amazing, I get to be set free. And he turns and he faces the saviour of the world. And there's Jesus, bloody, beaten to the point of unrecognisable. And it's this powerful moment as I think about it. And he can't cheer anymore. He just looks into Jesus' eyes. I wonder what he was thinking. Here, Barabbas deserved death on a cross in one of the most horrific ways you could ever die. And Jesus is going to stand in his place. It's extraordinary. You know, as I reflect upon this, I see myself in Barabbas. I see myself, because that's what I deserved. It says the wages of sin is death. I am Barabbas. And I look into Jesus' eyes, the saviour of the world, and he steps in for me, and I get to be set free. And in the same way, you get to be set free as well. We are all that person. That's the grace of God. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? It's the grace of God that is extraordinary. Three criminals that day. One who was Barabbas was replaced and set free by Jesus. Criminal charges, set, uh, criminal charges released, but he never responded. As we are aware, he never responded to, the God, to God's grace. Another criminal on the cross beside Jesus, he hurled insults, he was cynical, he was aggressive, he was critical towards Jesus. But thirdly, and I love this, one criminal understood, understood what he'd done. In his humility, he understood his need for a saviour. And out of humility and out of repentance, he responded to Jesus that day and he counted the living God. He encountered his saviour and his life was changed and transformed in that moment. I just want to ask you in that moment, do you think that he had an opportunity? Do you think he had an opportunity in that moment as he was hanging on that cross and he cried out to Jesus to, to change his life, to fix it up, to make it better? Do you think he had an opportunity in that moment to go and do good things for God? You see, this is what we think is, is what's needed to come into to, to know God, but it's not. You see, he just cries out in his moment of need and he encounters the Saviour. He encounters his saviour. I love what Timothy Keller says. He says this, he says, the prerequisite for receiving the grace of God is to know you need it. That's it. The prerequisite for receiving the grace of God is to know you need it. And truth be told this morning, every single one of us needs the grace of God. You know, I just wanna say this, that as uh, Craig got up and shared his story this morning, I don't think he shared this, this exact moment in his testimony this morning, but I remember one time talking to Craig and he told me about this moment. He said, on the very last night that he uh, gambled, he really was, I mean, it had been such a long journey for him, but this particular night, he was at the end of himself. He, he couldn't care less. His life, he felt his life was done. He felt his life was over. He was, everything was ruined. He just felt like everything was ruined. He said, after coming back from the pokies that night, he was walking down the middle of Buckland Road, straight down the middle of the road. He said, I couldn't have cared less if I got hit by a car, whatever it was. And he said, in a moment of absolute desperation, he said, he put out his arms like this, walking down the middle of Buckland Road, and he looked up to the heavens and he cried out to God and he said, God, if you're real, I need you. If you're real, I need you. And here's a man who got up and testified to you this morning, the transformation that Jesus can do in a person's life. Why? It's because of the grace of God. And every single one of you, myself included, needs the grace of God in our lives. Not only has it transformed Craig's life, but it's transformed Amanda's life and his kids' lives as well. And God is now using Craig to impact the lives around him. This is what he can do in your life. Don't believe the, 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 you know, don't believe these perceptions that I need to become better, I need to clean my life up. You just come to God like the criminal on the cross who says, hey, would you remember me? And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And God wants to transform your heart and change you. You see, we look at grace and we say it seems unfair, but this Easter, this Good Friday, this is why we come and celebrate because praise God, he wasn't fair, but praise God, he was gracious. We need his grace.
Father, we thank you this morning for your word. It impacts our lives in every single way. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are some here, even the, the emotion is, is, is there. It's this sense of this lump in their throat. They're trying not to you know, hold back the tears because for the first time they realised, I need his grace. I need the grace of God in my life. And he sees you this morning. And I know you felt unwanted. I know you felt unloved. I know you've tried so hard to clean up your life, but He wants you to know this morning, He can do it. And you don't need to try any longer. You don't need to suffer and work hard any longer to try and become better. You don't need to wonder anymore, am I loved? You don't need to wonder anymore, am I seen? You don't need to wonder anymore, can I be truly accepted just as I am? I want you to know that this morning, your heavenly Father loves you and He adores you and He's got a plan and purpose for your life and His grace is sufficient for you. And you know who you are. And so right now in your head and your heart, if you wanna encounter His grace and know Him, I want you to just pray this prayer with me in your head and your heart. Dear God, I need you. Dear God, I don't understand all of this, but I know I need your grace. I come before you this morning and like the criminal on the cross, would you remember me? This morning I ask, would you be my saviour? Would you forgive me for my sin, for going my own way, for my pride? And I ask that you would receive me. I want you to be Lord and saviour of my life. Thank you for dying and thank you for rising again. Fill my heart with your love and your presence and your spirit now. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you for every single person that prayed that prayer. I know they're here this morning and I know they're online because you draw people to yourself and it's your love that compels us. It's your love that overwhelms us. It's your kindness that draws you draws us to yourself. The kindness, your grace is unbelievable. This morning, there's some here that have heard this message and known it for 30 years or more. I pray we'd never grow tired of this message. We'd never grow weary of hearing the goodness and the grace of you, great God. But again, this very morning, we'd be reminded, you'd give us a fresh revelation of, oh, the mercy of you, the grace of you. It's overwhelming. It changes everything. Remind us of that. And Lord, one more thing. We just want to say this morning that we are so grateful. We just want to say this morning that we are so thankful for you. And we just want to say this morning, we love you because you're the greatest father anybody could ever encounter. We worship you and we honour you this morning. And we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning in your heart, you knew God was speaking to you. Just a couple of things I want to encourage you with. Firstly, we run an Alpha course here. Craig mentioned in his story the Alpha course and the help. And I really want to encourage you to take the next step of signing up for the Alpha course. We actually are kicking one off on the 30th of April. As you leave today, there's a table with um, some information around this. And you can grab that, sign up, or jump on the website. We would love to welcome you as part of the Alpha course. It runs over a number of weeks. Um, it's a safe place just to come to ask questions about faith and God and the big questions of life. And millions of people around the world have done this course and found it so helpful on their own journey of faith. So I really want to encourage you to grab one of these cards, find out some information or jump online. The other thing I did want to mention too is if you did pray that prayer, just to tell someone, to say, that was me this morning. If you came with someone, just be brave enough just to tell someone or come and talk to one of us, one of the hosts with their badges on and one of the pastors. We'd love to encourage you and pray for you. And we also have these Bible gift packs available as you leave today. A few down the front here as well. We'd love to give this to you. If you don't have your own Bible, just to take this as a free gift. And if you're online, we'd love you to reach out to Michael, your host there, or email in to us at hello at bridgeman.org.au. We want to help you on your journey as well. If you've sensed God speaking to you this morning, you prayed that prayer this morning as well, we'd love to connect with you and to pray for you and to encourage you on your journey. And so as we close our service uh, this morning, we're going to sing one last song that speaks of all that Jesus has done for us and the resurrection hope. Come join us on Easter Sunday. We're going to be celebrating that Jesus, He didn't stay on that cross. He rose again. He is the living God. So why don't we stand together? Let's worship. 
Let's lift our voices in praise to our risen King this morning. He's so worthy. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning. We thank you for all that you've done. Thank you that you're alive, conquered sin and death forever. And so we worship you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Please be seated. Do again, just want to mention those Bible packs, the Alpha Course. Do stay for some hot cross buns, tea and coffee in the courtyard as well. Big blessing to all those joining us online as well. We look forward to sharing with you again. Easter Sunday, 8 a.m., 10 a.m., 6 p.m. as well. God bless.